You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the river. Now the news that I have for you concerning 2024 is simply this. I believe that it is going to be a year of opportunities. But I believe that things are going to be better this year than they were last year for those who reach out in faith. See, a lot of people think that their past is better than their present. But I'm going to show you in the Word of God that God wants your present to be better than your past, and He wants your future to be better than what your past future was. And it's something that a lot of people don't have that perspective because we feed on everything besides Jesus. Amen? But I'm telling you right now, 2024 is going to be an exceptional year. You're going to get blessed coming and going. Amen. Some of you are going to experience things you've never experienced before in your life. But in order for me to do that, I'm going to have to elevate you spiritually. When you say elevate, what do you mean? I'm going to give you some truth that will elevate you. And there's some things in the Word that you cannot receive unless your faith is elevated to that certain level. And so that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some truth to elevate you so that you can receive the message that I have for you today. Amen? It reminds me of several Christmases ago, I was shopping for my wife. And how many of you know uh, for a guy to shop for his wife is really difficult? Because if you buy it too small, you get in trouble. If you buy it too big, you're in trouble. So I thought, I got a solution. I'll buy a purse. So I remember I was down at Nordstrom's, and I saw this beautiful little purse. And I, and I was about ready to tell the lady, wrap it up, get it ready, go. And then I thought, you know, I better ask him how much it cost. So I asked the lady, I said, oh, by the way, how much does that cost? And she says, $4,500. I said, hold the boat. This is out of my price range. And she said, you got to go down to the end of the store here. That's more your price range. But I wasn't able to do it. It was really, uh, you know, beyond what I could really afford financially. Well, spiritually, it's like that sometimes. Where God offers some things, but until our faith gets elevated to that level, it's hard for us to receive it. So we end up accepting things at lower levels that God never intended for you in your life. And today, what I'm going to do is help you break through that. Can you say amen? amen? So if you're not expecting a lot from God this year, you might as well go home right now. Amen? But if you're expecting God to do something awesome in your life, this message is for you. So if you would, look up on the screen here. This is in Jeremiah chapter 29, a familiar text, but listen to what it says. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now, I want you to notice in the text, this is in the context of Israel who had been judged for the last 70 years because of their sins. And once that judgment was over, this blessing that God wanted to put on was displayed on. Now, here's the good news. When Jesus went to the cross, he was punished for your sins on the cross so that you never have to be punished for them again. And that means this verse is particularly appliable to the grace life, to the saved life. Once you accept Christ... God has nothing but blessings for you because sin has not been just covered. It has been removed in your life. Say removed. So you got nothing yet you have to be concerned about that will block 
the blessing in your life. And all you have to do at that point is ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. In other words, there's an access to the throne of grace to receive the blessings you need in 2024 if you would dare to believe that you are forgiven, if dare to believe that God is waiting for your request in faith, you'd be blessed. It, you could liken it on to paying a ticket. If you get a speeding ticket, if you go out and you pay off the ticket, it's the end of that matter. Isn't that right? But if you don't pay it off and you get pulled over later, they could arrest you and put you in jail for unpaid speeding tickets. And that's why a lot of people are in the world. They got all these tickets from their sins, but Jesus came and paid it off. But you've got to receive him to have it paid off. Then the blessings of God. This, this is what I'm talking about. In other words, you're not going to be able to expect the best from God if you still think these sins are in your life and they haven't been dealt with. But Jesus came to deal with them. And once you receive them, you can expect to be blessed abundantly above all that you think or imagine. Come on, say amen, everybody. Your faith will create either a positive future or a negative future in your life. If you develop your faith in God's promises, you can change the future that you have for your family, for your children, for our community, for our country. You can change things. Let me show you the verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made out of the things which are visible. Now, the word there, world, is not the Greek word cosmos, speaking of the world system. It's actually a translation of the word ages or generations. In other words, the writer is saying that the generations that followed the resurrection of Christ or whatever, or in the past, were affected and framed by the word of God and God's people. That's why in Hebrews, you see these elders what they did, they stopped kingdoms, they, were, they did miracles, they did all kinds of crazy things that changed the culture. That's what he says your faith will do. Now say it with me, my faith can change my future. That, mean, that means that your future is subject to your faith. Creation is subject to God's faith and, and your, your, your life that you create with faith is subject to your faith, which means if faith got you to prosper, then you can stay prosperous with your faith. If faith got you healed, you can stay healed because of your faith. If faith got your marriage together, you can keep that marriage together. Amen? Faith will not only hold it together, it'll create the life that you need in Christ Jesus. And everybody loved him, said amen and amen. I want you to have some faith this morning. I want you to expect not just a little good, but a lot of good from God this year. I want you to stretch yourself and don't stay at that low level, get at a higher level. Some people are just at that lower level, but if you just stay at the lower level, it'll always get worse and worse and worse in your life. You got to keep growing. You got to keep changing. You got to keep bleeding for bigger things, or you're going to begin to degress instead of increasing God. Amen? Now, let me show you something. You remember the statement the Apostle Paul said? He said this. He said, when I'm weak, I am strong. Now, most Christianity, they think that statement means that 
when you've given up trying to do it your, by your own power or whatever, and you just throw in the towel and say, Lord, whatever, then God's power kicks in. That's not what it means. It means that Paul gave it everything he had. And when he came to the end of himself, given everything he had, the power of God strengthened him. The power of God brought him through. See, there's a reason why the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is God and that he is a reward of those that what? Diligently seek him. If you're diligent in pursuing God, hearing the word, speaking in faith, Come on, visualizing what God's word says. If you're diligent in that, God's blessings will accelerate in your life. It'll release it in your life. See, I like it on to this. When Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. It's like going to the gym. You ever go to the gym and have one of those friends that goes with you, but he never works out? He just goes there and socializes. You know, he's sitting there talking to the girls, you know, whatever. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, not, not doing anything. You're pumping the weight. You're doing the reps. You're doing all the sweating. Who's going to get built up and who's going to stay weak? He's going to stay weenie. You can go to church and be a weenie. Say amen. You got to work the word in your life. If you work the word in your life, it'll transform you. Now, here's what you need to do that's so important. You need to speak the word of God over your family over your children, over our community, over your career, and you need to envision it in your life. And you need to seek the scriptures to discern the will of God in your life. And if you do that to a point that you act on what you said, your faith will win the day. But you gotta, you got to say it and you got to see it to a point that you act on it. But if it isn't to the point you act on it, it won't work. You got to say the word until you act on it. You got to see the word happen in your life until you act on it. You can't just stop short of saying it and seeing it. It's got to bring you to a place of action. Once you step out on that action, the power of God is released in your life and God can begin to reform your marriage, reform your children, reform your. Come on, everybody, give God praise. Now, the other thing that's needed is this. You've got to have a strong desire for it. Some people don't desire to have it any better. They think the way they had it, oh, I'm okay. No, you're not. Because when you stay the same, you get worse. But a lot of people are like that where they're just happy-go-lucky, I'm fine, whatever. No, you're not. Faith has to be growing for it to get better in your life spiritually, mentally, physically in your life. Think about it for a minute. If what I desire didn't matter, then why does it say in Philippians 3.12, it says, for it is God, or excuse me, 2.13, it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. If it made no difference what I wanted, why would God be working on my will? Because if your will is not strong enough, you'll never reach that place you need to go. 
You got to want it so bad you won't satisfy for something less. You got to want it so bad that you become obsessed by it. You got to want it so bad that you're going to embrace it and you're not going to let go of it in your life. I'm going to have a great family. I'm going to have great kids. I'm going to have great finance. I'm going to have great health. You got to want it that bad in order to excel to the place that God wants you to have in your life. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament that used to, one of my favorite stories, it's about a king. And the king went to the prophet Elisha. And if you remember Elisha, you remember when he started his ministry and he served the prophet for a while, but then he had a request from the prophet uh, that he would get a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had. Now, if you study it out, that anointing he had, he never used all of it. He died without using it. And the Bible said that they put him, in the, put him in a tomb. And the Bible says that there was another funeral that was going on. And the enemies were coming. And so they, they had to change the, the funeral arrangements. And they had to put this guy in Eli, Elisha's tomb uh, because of the enemies. And as soon as they laid him on Elisha's bones, he was resurrected. Say Amen. That's the power of the anointing. But here's the story I want you to see about Elisha. Right before he died, the king came to him and he knew that he was in trouble because he would always help him with the battles, give him wisdom, where to fight, what to do. And so the prophet took a bow and arrow and he took it and he shot an arrow in the ground. And he says, every time you shoot that arrow in the ground, it's going to be victory over Syria. So the king took it and shot in the ground three or four times. And the prophet gets angry and says, you should have done it five, six times. Now, my question is this. Why didn't he shoot it five, six times? Why did he only do three, four times? Why? Because his desire for victory was not as strong as the desire God had for the victory. And some of you need to increase your desire for victory. It's not strong enough to give you the complete victory that God wants you to have. You need to say, Lord, help me with this. I've been going through this so long, I don't even want to think about it anymore. But God saying, no, I want you to desire that a breakthrough in your family, a breakthrough with your finances, a breakthrough in your life. And I want you to desire it so bad that you will not let go of it in your life because I want to shoot some arrows in the ground that not just stop the enemy, but stop them dead in the tracks and put to death whatever it is that's trying to destroy your life. Boy, you know what I'm talking about. When you first get married, your wife is madly in love with you. And, she, and you come home, she's looking for you. And after you've been married for 20 years, you come home, she's not anywhere to be seen. She's got a little note up there, I'm out with my friend, see you in a couple of days, whatever. <laughs> There's always a regress that occurs when there is no growth in a relationship. God wants, we don't believe in divorce in this church, we believe that God wants you to succeed at your marriage. If you've been divorced, we're gonna pray for you and believe that this next relationship will be solid, but the point is, he doesn't want you to fail. So if you come and say, I've failed, I'll say, no, you haven't. You failed to believe. Begin to believe. I said, begin to believe. Begin to believe. Begin to believe. See, you know what a lot of you need? You just need to believe in yourself. 
I mean, you just need to believe in yourself. You don't believe you can do anything anymore. That's the problem. You don't believe you can do some ordinary things that God will bless. Well, I can't pray. I can't do this. Yes, you can. If you do your part, God will do his part. You remember the story of the man that was born blind in John, the 19th chapter? In the story, Jesus has never healed anybody that was born blind up to this point. And they're talking about it. Did this man sin or his parents sin? Jesus said neither. And Jesus gets down, kneels in the mud, and puts mud in the man's eyes. See, people don't know this. The, the anointing was working on the man's eyes. The anointing that throws the yoke. And so Jesus tells the man, he said, I want you to go wash in the pool of Shalom. Now, what if the man would have said, no, I can't do that. I'll get lost. I can't see. What if he would have said, I'd like to, but I, I don't have anybody to take me there. He believed he could get there, even though maybe he had never even been there. But he believed he could. And then when he believed in himself to be able to get there, once he got there and did what God said, then God said what he would do, and God healed him of the blindness. Sometimes we just need to believe we can do what, God, what we can do and then believe that God can do what he said he's going to do. If God said to seek him, obviously you can. If God said you can forgive, then obviously you can forgive. Amen. You know, this is the key of forgiveness. You may not be able to forgive the act itself because it's, you know, it's horrible. But you can always forgive the person. Amen. Here's the point I want you to see from this. So many people in the church today, they just don't believe they can do anything. I'm just a nobody. You know, I'm going nowhere to happen. And, and that you don't realize you can do what God has told you to do. And when you got God, you're never doing anything by yourself. He's always your helper. He's always your strengthener. He's always your, come on, the one that guards your backside. He's the one that strengthens you. You're never just doing it by yourself if you're a believer. You have Christ. Now, let me give you a verse to show you the power in this. 1 John 5 13 and 14 say this. It says, this is the confidence that we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How many know that the word of God is the will of God? So if we got his word on it, we got his will on it. Amen? But how many know that's not enough? And he goes on and says this. And if we know he hears us. Then we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. So just knowing the will of God is not enough to make your prayers effective. The word know there means, the Greek word means to see. In other words, when you can see yourself possessing what God promises, you know that God has heard you. You know that God will bring it to pass. As soon as you can see yourself heal, you can rest assured that your healing's coming. As soon as you can see yourself prosperous, you can rest assured prosperity is coming. As soon as you can see your marriage restored, you can rest assured the power of God is moving in the air. Because how many know people who are not saved? We all know them, don't we? Why aren't they saved? It's God's will to be saved. It's God's will to provide for people, but I know people that 
God hasn't provided for. We also know that it's God's will to heal, but we know people that don't get healed. What's the difference? It can be God's will, and you can miss the blessing unless you get to a place that you can see the blessing in your life. As soon as you see it, you can rest assured. It becomes your assurance that it's going to happen in your life. When I see my life changing, when I see my life overcoming, when I see my life more than a conqueror, when I see my life conquering those fears and insecurities in my life, when I see that, I can rest assured that God has heard me and God is going to make a change in my life. Praise God. It's assurance. Assurance is like insurance. If your car's insured, you don't worry about getting it fixed when you get in an accident because you know the insurance will pay for it. When you can see yourself healed, rest assured, God's going to pay the price to get you healed. God's going to bring the healing that you need. God's going to bring the provision in your marriage you need. Hallelujah, Jesus, when he sees that. The problem is a lot of us can't see it yet. That's why I'm preaching to you the way I'm preaching. I want you to see it. I want you to see your life better. I want you to see your whole family being saved. I want you to see your finances going through the roof where you can't keep track of all your money. Is only a few people excited about that? Come on. <laughs> then you can take me out to lunch. Can I say Amen. But a lot of people, they, to be honest, they can't see it yet. All they see is the mediocre life that they've been going through. And I'm not slamming you. I've been there. I've been there. I remember preaching in a, a high school with 40 people. Now, he wasn't working. Women had blankets on. You could see my breath while I'm preaching. It was horrible. But I saw myself in a new building. I saw myself preaching to a big crowd. I saw myself, come on, say amen. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. And if you can see it, God will give it to you. It'll bring the blessing to pass in your life in a great way. Now here's something that'll help. Stop talking down to yourself. I said quit talking down to yourself. Quit belittling yourself. Quit magnifying your faults and start magnifying your good traits, your gifts, your blessings. You come on, where you are in Christ, start magnifying that because whatever you magnify, you're attracted to. People that are always looking at their fault are living miserable, miserable lives because they are attracted to greater faults. They're attracted to more faults, but if you're attracted to the righteousness of God in your life, you're going to act more righteous. If you're attracted to the holiness of God, you're going to act more holy. Oh, glory to God. It works that way. Let me give you two verses, Hebrews 9, 8 and Hebrews 10, 14. Hebrews 9, 8 makes a very powerful statement. It says, in the Old Testament, holiness was not possible with the first tabernacle. Why? Sins were only covered. Hebrews 10 says, after Jesus did that final sacrifice for all of our sins, 
It says that you have been perfected forever and you've been sanctified by the Spirit. Do you know what that means? That means that God's holiness is inside of you, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did, which means before you come to Christ, you're rotten to the core. After you come to Christ, you are righteous from the core. You are holy from the core because the divine nature of God is inside of you. And sure, you got faults, but inside, there is the righteousness of God. Inside, there's holiness that wants to come out. You're, you're, not, you're not rotten inside. You're blessed inside. So don't belittle yourself and talk yourself down. Stop looking at all your faults and start looking at all your gifts. I got a gift of faith. I have a gift for this. I've been seated in heavenly places. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise that guarantees me when Christ comes back, I'm going up, praise God. Start magnifying your salvation and you'll start working out your salvation. As long as you're magnifying who you used to be, you'll gravitate towards that. But if you magnify who you are right now, you'll gravitate towards that and that will be greatness. That'll be confidence. That'll be boldness. That'll be a lack of insecurity, but confidence and security in Christ. Oh, my goodness. It's really that good. Always remember the little things matter in the Christian faith. The little things we say to ourselves amount to big things. If you're always saying you're stupid, I'm never good enough, that'll amount to depression. It'll amount to anxiety. It'll amount to suicide. It always produces that. But if you say, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. When you say that, you'll gravitate towards winning. You'll gravitate towards expecting God's best in your life. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the service here with a story that Jesus taught in John, the 15th chapter. It's, it's a long close. But I want you to hear this because it's going to teach you some things. This is a miracle that Jesus did in John, fifth chapter, where there was a pool, Bethsaida, where in the pool the water was stirred God would send an angel down there periodically, and whoever got in first got healed of their infirmity. And so this man had been there 38 years. Say 38 years. And it says that there were five porches, which means five coverings, and there were hundreds of people there with handicaps. And this man had been there for 38 years, saw many, many, many people healed. He always got near to it, but he never stepped into it. He always got close, but never touched it. Imagine 38 years, the routine. Go down there every day and wait. A lot of people are like that. They're in these routines where they do the same thing over and over again. They get married and they... 
They go through these same processes of trying to get along with everybody or whatever, and they end up in the same place in the marriage they were in the beginning. And then when the marriage fails, they get another marriage and go through the same process over and again, end it up the same way as they did the first marriage. Or you have people that do careers like that. They go from one job to the next job, and it's a routine, it's a routine, but they always end up with the same weaknesses, the same insecurities, the same problems. They get near, but they never get in. They get close, but they never touch it. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? See, some of you are married, and, and when you first got married, you were excited and everything, but over time, you've reverted back to the same weaknesses you had when you first got married. The same arguments that you never win, you get back to the same place. Even though you moved to a different house, spiritually, you're in the same place. In your marriage, you're in the same place. Even though you've went through the different routine in a different place, in a different location, you always came back to the same situation that you're in. And you might say, well, pastor, we're, our, our marriage, it isn't great, but it's the same. And what I'm going to tell you is this, it's not the same. Everything changes. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Do you hear what I said? If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. If it's the same as it was when you first got married, it's really bad right now. Because nothing, you can't go through life without change. you got to decide right now in faith, I'm going to get changed for the better. I'm going to get changed for God's glory. I'm going to get changed to excel. I'm going to get changed to succeed. I'm going to get changed to go over the top. I'm going to get changed for that so that you can't stay the same. You can't stay the same. If you do, you get in trouble. And here's what a lot of people are. They're near, but they're not in. I'm close to getting a handle on my addiction, but you're not. I'm close to understanding my wife, but you're not. I'm close to feeling better physically, but you're not. I'm close to doing better financially, but you're not. And you never get in. You never get in. He'd been there 38 years. 38 years of a routine that brought him back to the same place. And here's the problem. We've all seen this. You're in your own household. And your brother and sister, they excel. And then there's you. You go, how come they excelled? They were in the same house I was in. Or maybe you say, they were born on the same side of the tracks that I was, but look what they've done and look what I've done. And here's what happens when that happens. In order to cope with the discouragement, we create excuses to comfort us. Well, if I was the favorite child, I would have done better. If my dad would have supported me for college, I would have went to college. Or if my mom was an alcoholic, I would have done better. So we look for excuses why 
we only got near and didn't get in. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but in the same place. I I don't want to get near, I want to get in. I don't want to get close, I want to touch it. I don't want to just get at the edge, I want to swim in it, man. I want to swim in that change, swim in that blessing, swim in that breakthrough. Woo! That's what I want to do. But it's that routine. Ever meet somebody in church like that? They go to church year after year after year after year after year, but they never grow spiritually. Now, we're going to get you blessed today so that you can step through it. No condemnation here. Come on, church. We're going to get you through, praise God, where the blessings overtake you. But did you ever get jealous of someone and made up all these excuses? I uh, love what Jesus does. First, he goes there. That's a miracle. And he tells the guy, he doesn't just say, hey, who's winning on the favorite team? He doesn't do that. He goes up and he says this to him. Do you really want to get well? I've been here 38 years, dude. But why did he do that? Because he heard the excuse. Here's the excuse. I have no one to help me into the water. But now he does. The Lord is there. Once the Lord comes into your life, you got the helper that you need in your life. Once the Lord is in your life, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Once the Lord comes in your life, you have the one to pick you up and bring you forward, the one to move you in the direction that you need in your life. Once the Lord is in your life, you're no longer alone. You got someone to help you over the bumps, help you over the hurdles, help you over the mountains. Help, come on, hallelujah. Man, I love this. God is there to help me. All excuses are gone. I'd really like changing my marriage, but my wife doesn't understand. You don't need your wife. What you need is Jesus. That's what you need is Jesus. My, how many know I was hard to tame when, when Joyce married me? I was hard. I was hard to tame. And she cheated. She went in the shower and started to pray. She's the cleanest woman I've ever seen. She was always in the shower praying. And God began to change me. Just like he'll change you. But you got to expect God to do something in your life besides show up on Sunday morning. you got to expect him to move in your money, move in your finances, move in your health, move in your mind, move in your body, move in your career, move in your family. you got to expect God to be moving. you got to expect that breakthrough that God has called every one of us to come through. Stand up with me right now if you would, everybody. I want you to turn to someone right now and say you're not alone if you got Jesus. Come on, tell them you're not alone if you got Jesus. He can help you through your marriage. He can help you through your finances. If you got Jesus, you got it all. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. 
For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river and we're doing life together.